When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Only Speaks podcast on Black and White and Red All Over. I'm your host, Danny, coming to you for episode 119. Almost as, as many caps as some of our favorite Italian players on the national team. But unfortunately, we're not talking about national teams this week. We're talking about Juventus again because we are back from the international break. So if you want to listen to this podcast and previous episodes, feel free to like and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you do listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, feel free to leave us a rating or a review. We've gotten a few nice reviews, but we want more. And if not, we're going to end the podcast entirely. Kidding. 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 Because I think the other guys on the podcast would end me if we did that. But speaking of those guys... Let me bring them in. We've got Sam. Hello, Sam. It's the second time you've threatened that this month, Danny. That's right. Come on. I've now. got to threaten action to get action. <laughs> and we've got uh without uh I'm I still gotta get used to the revamped order here without Chucks. Celebrating not one but two wins today. Sergio Romero. Hello, Sergio. Hey fellas, happy to be here, happy to be back after missing uh, last week's episode. Not you know, playing playing in tough conditions right now. Uh currently in a moving bus. Uh, it is what it is. That's, that's what you got to do to give content to the people. Like, this is for the people. We would put our bodies on the line. If Juventus had lost, would you be coming from us from the bus? No, I would have just told you I'm not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So Sergio not only got the win in the, 
in Singapore, but he also got the Juventus win. So thankfully, we are going to be talking about a Juventus win today. So, uh, Sergio, since you weren't with us last week, why don't you go first? What was your takeaway from this actual day in which we get a Juventus win? Uh, my takeaway is that this was an all-time ugly kids matchup. <laughs> it, it just it, it was it was bad. It was bad TV. Uh, Bologna has good-looking kids, you know, red and blue, like red that red and navy always works, always looks great. And they had that navy joint, that away joint. Sorry, that is like you know, chicken yellow, like it's just bad-looking. And then Juventus continues to play with their away or their third kid while at home and with no like color clash at all. Like they just do it obviously because they need to move merch and whatnot. But it, it just, it, it sucks. It sucks when you have, you know, traditional teams with traditional colors and you just take one good look at the TV. And it's like, who is who? Like, what are we doing here? So it, it was just weird. And considering that the play and the game was actually good, and I'm sure we'll talk about that in a little bit, but it felt like I needed something to complain. So there you go. The uniforms were, were terrible. I still... You know, I think the, the third kit is a little bit better than at first sight. I think it's kind of cool looking, but still, it's not a Juve kit. It's just something they put together and just slapped on the Juve badge. But all-time, all-time awful-looking matchup kit today. Yeah, you, you know this since this is your line of work, Sergio. How Just looking at those colors clashing, is that just uh, very not easy on the eye? It's bad. It's bad. And you could tell because I was looking at it on, on the TV back home. and. Uh, my brother just kind of walked by and was like, who's playing? And I'm like, Juve. He's like, are you sure? I was like, yeah, I'm definitely <laughs> sure. But he just didn't recognize it. And and that's tough. And that's tough because, you know, we've talked about identity and whatnot. But if you don't play in the black and white stripes at home, I don't know. I usually try not to be the, you know, old man yelling clouds. But that still feels weird to me. Like, I get it. Having a white kid, have a third kid. There's plenty of games you can put them on, but when you're at home and there's no call of clash, just go with the classics, black and white. Well, thankfully for us, Sam is wearing one of uh, the nicer Juventus goalkeeper kits from the last decade. So Samuel, what is your takeaway from the week or the weekend? My takeaway is a little bit, uh, it, it riffs off of something that you wrote in your post game a little bit, Danny. Uh, you had been talking about Arik Milik and how glad you were to have been wrong about that move. And I know Sergio also tweeted something similar. I'm going to, I'm going to go slightly off of a tangent based off of that and say, I was also wrong in terms of Dusan Vlaovic and Milik playing together. I thought that it would be a show. I thought it would be terrible. I thought it would be two primi punti getting in each other's way and, and not being able to, to play together at all. And so far, every time that the two of them have played together on the uh, been on the field together since Milik arrived, it's been pretty good. You know, they they work off each other very well. Milik seems to have a good feel for for springing a through ball, and he likes to drop back deep a little bit every once in a while and get the ball and move it, which is very interesting to see such a big guy doing what Paulo Dybala used to do. <laughs> but it seems like a, a really good pairing between the two. And um, it, that is not something that I was expecting when Milik arrived and when Allegri started talking all about, you know, talking so much about, oh, well, maybe they can work together. And I just kept on thinking, no, they can't, you dumbass. But um, 
it looks like in this in this one i was i was incorrect this looks like a pretty good pairing to me so let me get this straight you are saying max allegra got something right yeah i mean facts are facts are facts all right couch put in some kind of like blaring horns or something here (laughs) this is a rare time where sam's actually in a way giving praise to max allegra it's very rare these days so we, we need to it, it we is, need to celebrate it with air horns and <laughs> all that. But it, it is it is rare, but I you know, when a fact is in front of your face, to deny it is to be is to be stupid. And and right now there's just you know, objectively you look at them working together and and it's it's done good things. So I can't deny what the field is telling me. Well, it's, it's too bad Chuck's is isn't here because a transition just popped in my head. Well, almost as rare as Sam praising Max Allegri is Juventus actually winning a game. So that is obviously what we're going to focus on today. And it had been uh, a month, a literal month, since Juventus had last won a game. They went 0 for September, which knowing how September played out was very much uh, not good at all. And here we go, the beginning of October with Max Allegri basically saying, here here starts a new mini season between now and the World Cup break. and Juventus looked pretty okay, not great, but solid maybe. And obviously, like we said, you know, Alec Milik scored a great goal. Dusan Vlaovic got a goal and assist. Uh, Philip Kostic got a, the opening goal. And Juventus scored from open play, which has been very rare this season. And yeah, I don't know. It's uh, You mentioned the postgame thread. As I was writing said postgame thread, I was thinking to myself, been a while since I've done this and actually not been like grumpy as hell while writing one of these. So uh, take it away, fellas, your, your thoughts on Juventus actually putting together a decent performance and getting a three, nothing win over Bologna, by the way, a Bologna side that uh, up until a few games before the international break had not won a game this season. So maybe it's, it's convenient that Juventus actually beat a bad team for once. No, no, that, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's like, okay, yeah, it's, it's one thing that, that we're happy that we won, but it is Bologna. But then again, you know, this is the same team that was losing against Monza, a pretty comparable side, you know, two weeks ago. So, you know, we, we talked a lot about should Max Allegri going to be fired? Like, how badly is this team run? We're definitely not making the Champions League. Just all of this structural issues. But really, the only thing that they could do that was in their hands once, you know, they decided to keep Max Allegri around was to come out and, and have a convincing performance after the international break, after, after the international break. And, and they did just that. Like they came out and it, it wasn't, you know, a virtuoso performance. It wasn't like watching, you know, trying Leo Messi with Barcelona or anything resembling that. But it was a very, very controlling matchup. Like they just went out there and they just beat the hell out of a bad team. And... It was, I mean, I never really felt that Bologna had any sort of danger whatsoever. Uh, three goals. I mean, it was one of those performances that there's really not a lot to criticize. And really, after all we talked about and after all we said and all the changes that needed to be made and the prices that Juventus was on, really the only thing that was in their hands was go out there and beat a bad team in your home convincingly. And they did that. So props to them, props to, to the coach, props to the team. You know, they heard pretty much nothing but negative things for two weeks. And they came out there and they put forward maybe the best performance they've had all, all season, right? Of course, it's Bologna. It comes with that caveat. But 
it's something that they just hadn't done. They just hadn't had a complete performance. Like it's a good team, bad team, regular team, whatever. They just hadn't had a performance like this. And they went out there and they, they performed. And that, you know, you got to give them props for that. And in a season in which we have given Juventus so almost no props at all, you know, this is, this is a, a Sunday in which they, they deserve it. Yeah, I think the game, the the word that that describes this game for me was workmanlike. You know, there there were very few things that were utterly spectacular. You know, Lucas Skorupski was was not by any stretch of the imagination under siege in the Bologna goal, but they did what they had to do. They took the chances that they needed to take in order to put the game away relatively early. And uh, the other thing that you mentioned there danny yeah the juventus scoring from open play i actually looked this up it is the first time that juventus have scored three goals from open play in the same game at home since max allegri returned sorry gosh but holy yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah that that's that's an unfortunate stat to to have to have dredged up but yeah there, there there was nothing spectacular here uh it was pretty solid I thought Rabio had a good game uh, and Locatelli as well. Seeing them back and, and seeing some, some depth coming back into the team was really good. And it's still a work in progress. It's, it, you know, there's, there's by no means can, should anybody be jumping around here saying, ha, see Allegri is vindicated or, you know, that sort of thing. Cause it was, it was one game that's going to be coming in, in a, a series of many, 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 over the next four weeks. I, I think that it was badly needed. It was workmanlike. It was it was done well. And that's all that you can ask for right now, given the way that the results have been. And you just have to hope for for more of this with the team just putting their head down and, and saying, yeah, we got this now. And I'll, I'll pose this question to Sergio. You've been probably more critical than the rest of us of Dusan Vlavic lately. So how good was it to see him not only score a goal, but then, but firstly, set up a goal to his uh, fellow Serbian, Filip Kostic? Yeah, that was, that was something that I wrote about and I think I talked about in a couple of pods in that, you know, we talked all this time that Dusan Blahovic had some service, but okay, if you're not getting any service, like you need to do something else to be effective, to help your team, you know, win. Even if you're not getting chances galore, like you have to be doing something. And it felt like, and actually, Hunter wrote about it in, in a piece and during the winter break about kind of like how he usually gave up after, like when, whenever the play didn't pan out or whenever they didn't pan the ball, he just kind of gave up and, and threw his hands up and it was frustrated. And, you know, you obviously understand that. I think everyone was frustrated, but if you wanted to see that, okay, plan A is, you know, is gone. What's plan B? And, and I had got to give him props because he did just that in, in this game. He was doing a lot more of a, you know, hold up play. He had a bunch of runs in which he wasn't really going to receive the ball. He was just making runs to generate space for his teammates, which I thought was really, really encouraging to see. He he's not at the level of a uh, you know of a Gonzalo Higuain or someone like that who was very good at the hold up play and you know kind of building even when you're a striker, but like building an offense from there. Like he's never going to be that, but he definitely showed a lot of improvement. And I think it has a lot to do with what Sam said earlier about his partnership with Milik, which I think is, is working very well. I think as long as you don't have Federico Chiesa back, as long as, you know, Angel Di Maria is not, you know, 100% or is not giving you, you know, sufficient recent play, maybe he was suspended today, but, you know, 
that two striker formation, like it, it's working. It helps a lot. Like these two guys can play with each other. And Blavich to me was so much more, you know, just in the game. Like, okay, I'm not getting the service because like Sam said, this was enough. You know, uh, they weren't getting, you know, 15 shots on goal today. He was still not getting a ton of service, but he was doing a lot more with the little service he was provided. And even when he wasn't getting service, he was just helping out the team a lot more. Like this was the type of performance that, that I definitely wanted to see from, from Blavich, who I, I'm obviously still very high on him. Obviously, everyone is still very high on, but it did feel like we were just giving him an, an out. Like, oh, he's being ineffective because he's getting no service. Okay, but, you know, we have to see something more from you, even if you're not getting service. And, and this was exactly what, kind of like what the team needed. And, you know, it was just a very, very good game for him. And, you know, going back to what Sam was saying about Rabiot having a good game, about Locatelli having a good game, it was just, you know, everyone had kind of an okay game. Like, no one had a bad game. Everyone was just between above average and good. And, you know, just when you can do that, just when you can have a good performance, nothing spectacular, just a good performance with the talent in this team, like, you're going like, to get points. You're going to get goals. You're going to get good games. And this, this felt like a, like a blueprint to kind of tie, you know, kind of like get over the hump, get over the crisis, start getting your soul, you know, kind of put your head down and, and get to work. And this was kind of a performance like that from, from the entire team and from Blachowicz himself. Although I, I would like it if those midfielders could even come close to spotting Blachowicz on some of the runs he's making, because, man, there are still some times where it's like that would, that could have been a really good chance if they had spotted him. But I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe when Paredes gets back in there, he would, he would find them, but yeah, it it's still, there's still something that that could be more. Absolutely. I was just going to say that, that, he, that he was doing that. And there was this moment that he, he made this run and he kind of took the entire defense with him. And Weston McKinney was right behind him, wide open header. And, you know, that, that's the type of thing. Obviously, you want to force feed the ball Blackovich, But if, if, if you can't do that because he's getting double covered or whatever, he now understands that he has that power to move around, get that defender out of the way. And you get Weston McKinney right behind you, wide open header. Then, you know, he hit right in front of to the, to the keeper because Juventus still, you know, it's still Juventus. But that was a very good play that, you know, those little things, I just thought Blachowicz did, did a lot more. And that's encouraging to see. Yeah. And, and it's, it's also, uh, Danny, you, you're talking about Paredes starting the game off the bench. Was anybody particularly expecting a, a, this good of a performance? With the Rabio Locatelli McKenney midfield triad that we have all looked at every every time it happens and just and just face pumped. I wasn't expecting a good performance overall, so yeah, any yeah. any positive was, was fine with me. But but it was it was really interesting that that those three actually had a pretty good game in the mid. It's going to be interesting to see how we uh, how we line up once Paredes decides to once Paredes comes back in. Yeah, it's just it's just one of those days where everything seemed to, to turn out okay, and we haven't had one of those in a long time, and it's good to see. Any other uh, positives that we want to discuss about this game, gentlemen? Uh, Sam mentioned it a little bit about how he was wrong about playing Blachowicz and Milic together. I was wrong just in general about Milic. I think uh, no one in this pod was super excited about him when he was announced. It was kind of like a glorified substitute for Blachowicz. Like there was really 
especially with the Memphis Depay rumors, which, you know, are not Millage's fault at all. But, you know, when you have a guy that's just so much more dy dynamic being rumored and then you end up with Millage, who does a lot of great things, but he's not, you know, the dynamic player that the Memphis Depay can be. He was seen kind of like this, you know, letdown of a signing. And he has just been great. Like, he's just been everything that, that you know, he could have done, he has done. He's, he's you know, found ways to be impactful anytime he's, he's been on the field. Like, same way that Sam was saying that he was wrong. I have to say, I was super wrong about Millage because I really thought this was another, you know, poverty club signing. We're getting this off-injured guy from the French League. Like, he wasn't even that good last year. What are we doing? And he's just been great. Like, you know, whenever we, we criticize uh, bad signings, this, this was, you know, this was a great signing that everyone criticized, but you know, the guys, the guys in the front office knew what they were doing with, with this one specifically, but, but they definitely knew what they were doing. I think which was incredible this game. It just has been incredible. One of the few consistently good bright spots for, for you this, this year. Is, are he and Vlavic tied for the scoring lead right now? I believe I, I so. Think, I think Vlavic now has one more. I think they were okay. tied. I mean, I think they would have been tied if Vlavic hadn't scored, but I think Vlavic has one more. If okay. VAR worked, they would be tied. <laughs> <laughs> got that one off his tally. By the way, guys, when uh, when they went to VAR for the last two goals, uh, oh, yeah. how, how many bad thoughts went racing through each of your heads? Because I was like, here here we go. A couple. I didn't think that, and, and I saw that, and I go, and I went, really? Like, it didn't look to me, it hadn't looked to me like anybody was particularly close to the offside line, but uh, they got to do what they got to do. And uh, fortunately, this time it worked. And now we got to see what happens next week. Yeah, that's also what I want to talk about. I mean, this this win very much is a good thing in the moment. But I know a few people were saying it on, on the Twitter machine afterwards. It's like, as much as this win is nice, you know, say Juventus comes out and, dear God, please don't let it happen, stumbles against Maccabi Haifa or, you know, stumbles against Milan next weekend at San Siro. Is this win really mean all that much in the grand scheme of things? And it's like, well, no, because you look at it, it's like Juventus needs not they not only need points, but they need points on multiple fronts in a hurry. So as much as we want improved performances, they also need results first and foremost. And it's like, well, if the results don't happen, then I mean we we said it how many times last year after that start? It's like performances, yeah, okay, but they just need to win. And obviously that was an adventure in its own right. And it kind of feels the same way this, you know, between now and the world cup break, if they don't string together some, some wins, then, you know, say in two weeks from now, are we even saying like, Hey, this was the start of something good. No, we're not. Yeah. Especially considering the fact that Monza currently has a better uh, season high winning streak than we do. <laughs> Undefeated under Raffaele Palladino. Yes. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, if something, if something crazy happens on Wednesday against Maccabi Haifa, then that's that's just a I don't know what the hell you're gonna be thinking about after that. The the Milan game, I mean that that's a game that you going into it even before all this crisis, you you could go in there and think, well, if you lose this one, but it's a creditable loss, it's not the worst thing in the world because you know you're looking at the defending champions and you're looking at a team that is a good deal better than you. The thing about the Milan game that's going to be interesting is that they have all of a sudden come up with a very Juve-like injury list 
heading into this game that could very well hold on let me I, I found this okay players that are injured and will likely be out for for Juve Simon Kier Alexis Salamakers Davida Calabria Junior Macias Teo Hernandez Mike Manyan Divac Origi uh, Alessandro Florenzi uh, and and Zlatan who's been out all year but that's a big list with some pretty big contributors in there. And Cyprian Tachirushano uh, made a pretty big mistake for Milan yesterday against Empoli. So that turns this from a game where you kind of just throw your hands up to a game where you kind of look at it as, well, if you're going to have, given the state that Juventus are in right now, if there's going to be an opportunity to beat Milan, it's going to be this because they're coming in just as battered and bruised as Juve are, even though they seem to be right now handling that a little better. Yeah, I think, you know, we mentioned uh, it's, it's Bologna, you know, whatever. But the thing is, they have like they have three very quick, very pivotal games to show that this wasn't just another, you know, flash in the pan, good performance, followed by, you know, awfulness like they've done you know they did that a couple times last season they've done it you know they haven't really had a great win or a great moments they have they've had decent moments this season followed by you know abject horrible horrible performances they're gonna have that chance really quick to show that this wasn't just a flash in the pan and you know you, you kind of have to i think you know we mentioned you know will this matter in the, in the big picture no, when you're talking about performance, but after all, in the league, you need points and, you know, points count against all rivals. So there's three points. They give you air. They give you some sort of confidence, but they don't really mean anything when it comes to the big picture, when it comes to performance wise. If, you know, midweek, you, you, you know, you crap the bat against Maccabi. If you go to Milan and, you know, lay an egg there like this, this feels like a pivotal moment in the season because if you can somehow get two wins against Maccabi, which you pretty much need to to retain any sort of hope in the Champions League, get two wins, you maybe, like Sam said, you you get a a weakened Milan, you get a result there, suddenly things are not looking all that, you know, catastrophic. Suddenly you're you're not looking terrible in Milan. Uh, They they ended up getting the win against Tempoli, you know, because they're a good team, because they're, they're the defending champs, they have the DNA in the last few minutes, but it wasn't a great performance against another side that is not fantastic. Like they were tied in the 19th minute. Like they're, I wouldn't say the Juventus is favored by any sort of stretch of the imagination. I wouldn't even say they have a good chance of winning, but they have as good a chance as they're going to get considering the form that they're in and considering the, the, the shape that the squad is in. Suddenly getting, getting a win there doesn't seem super impossible if, if they can keep what we saw this Sunday, you know, if they can keep it going for another couple of weeks, suddenly, you know, we, we, we might be able to, to step up a ledge for a second. And not only is Milan in the injury situation they're in, they also have Chelsea midweek, whereas Juventus has Maccabi Haifa. So in terms of what you would... Well, Chelsea didn't look particularly good yesterday either. No, but I mean, just kind of on paper, you would think that yeah. Milan is in for the tougher... European game, whereas Juventus could, you know, and theoretically, you know, get up a couple goals like they did against Bologna, and then maybe Max could rest a few guys and bring on 
Sergio's beloved Matteo De Ciglio, like he has been for what feels like <laughs> how many weeks now in the second half? That, that was just so, you know, Allegri not letting me have have a good good Sunday. Like everything was going great. And then, you know, he has to like why just whatever. At this point, he's beating a dead horse, but it's like, just why? Like, was what's the point at this? Like, it doesn't matter, but he had to ruin. He had to ruin my Sunday any way, shape, or form he could. But yeah, I'm guessing we'll see more Matias Cecilia moving forward. I'm guessing that this decision though coming on did not completely ruin your Sunday knowing how it began. Like Deciglio or Checo winning. I don't know. Well, no, it's been a good Sunday, but then again, <laughs> I could have not seen Deciglio and or not record in the bathroom today. So, you know, I mean, it, it could always be better. It could be worse. <laughs> I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. Well, any anything else you guys want to discuss, or shall we jump into some Twitter slash Instagram questions? That's that's it. The questions. All right. First one, as we did last week, from the Instagram machine, from at Mass Violante. I hope I said that right, gents. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on Juve's track record when it comes to developing or discovering young, talented players. It's hard to believe that Claudio Marchisio is the last guy who's who's come in. As an impact player from the Primavera, Chiesa seems to be an outlier as a young guy we bought and actually turned out to be good, but there's been so many misses. Is it coaching, bad scouting, is it the system, or is it really just a result of a bigger problem in Italy where youth is only seen as bargaining chips because they're quote-unquote pure profit when sold? Love the show. Thanks. Thank you, Massimo. We appreciate it. My answer to that question is yes. <laughs> it's all of those things, but there is a, and, and this is a, uh, something that my good friend, Mattia Fumigali, who is uh, one of the, the members of, of our club here and who once made a, a, a wonderful contribution to, to the blog when I uh, did that interview I did with Andrea Pirlo a few years ago, he came along and translated for me. He is... He he talks about this a lot, and I agree with him. Juventus, apart from the academy, because the academy is just th- that issue I've been harping on for years. It's a it, it's just been such garbage in terms of bringing talent through from the youth from our youth sector. Hopefully, guys like Miretti and Fagioli will fit. Will finish that. Will fix that, at least in the short term. But there also haven't been like the the kind of signings like. Rafael Leao, 
who no one really knew about in Portugal before Milan signed him. The I hope I'm saying this his name right. The Kvaresh uh, Galia in, in, in Napoli. Yes, the one that Kvaresh Juventus Galia. reportedly had a deal with. Yeah, you know the fact that he's not a Juve player is you know rough. That that the you know like Atalanta and Malinovsky, or Atalanta and any number of players, you know Coop Miners or 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 Gosens a while back, you know they. Juve does seem to have a major problem in finding the diamonds in the rough. They, you know, they've made the various attempts over the years. Uh, you know, I think I think Marco Piazza was an attempt at one, and I think if he hadn't gotten hurt that with that inter, on that international break, his first year maybe, which really set, just torpedoed his development so hard, that could have been something because he was he was a talented kid when we first signed in. Also, you know, a guy like Kyle George, another attempt at, at, at something like that so far hasn't panned out. So I, I think there is a, there's a scouting issue where we're just not getting guys or picking the wrong guys. And I do think that there's also an institutional level because I really do think that, uh, I've, I've said this before, I really do think that Andrea Agnelli has galactical fever and he wants names to come in. He doesn't, I, I don't particularly think that, I don't think that he particularly thinks that it will serve the brand to find some guy in like Bosnia and who's, you know, an amazing footballer and, you know, will turn into, you know, can turn into the second coming of Erling Holland. There's another one, by the way, Erling Holland, who Juve missed out on early. I, I, I don't think necessarily think that he is as interested in those kinds of signings as he is in establishing in signing established guys that will, that, that he thinks will benefit the brand. And that's something that right now Juve can't really afford given the financial situation. So, you know, hopefully that will change out of necessity as, as, as Juve tries to, to fix these financial losses. But yeah, I, I definitely think it's institutional on a couple of levels. So yeah, like Sam said, I think it's a little bit of, of, of everything, you know, but another big factor, I think, you know, aside from everything that Sam already talked about, I think it's, you know, Juventus just has, you know, expectations to compete in year in, year, out, year in and year out. And, you know, sometimes when you focus on that youth development, you have, like you look at the best team in the world to to develop young young guys, which, you know, in my opinion is, is Ajax and, and the Netherlands, shout out to Chucks. Uh, you know, they understand that, you know, they're going to have some bad years. Like, they're not going to be able to compete in the Champions League year in and year out. They're not going to win the, you know, the Eredivisie year in and year out. But they're going to build their their foundations, their young generations, you know, year by year. And when they hit on that golden generation, they have the chance to to really compete and to really do something important. So, you know, with a club like Juventus, that's just not an option. So, you don't have the patience to bring young guys along. Like if, unless you're super talented, like a, like a Robella, like a, sorry, like a Miretti has been showing to be that he can just walk in into the starting 11 at 19, you know, they're, they're not really going to, you know, invest those resources, those, those, you know, those minutes that you need to grow those young guys because you need to be in the Champions League because you need to be winning titles because, you know, you have those expectations. So, you know, even you look at other big clubs like 
Chelsea, for example, like a lot of the English, you know, in the Premier League clubs, they have, you know, so many young guys, so many youth, youth kids, and they can't bring them all up. So they just loan them all away. And some of them pan out, some of them don't. But it, it's hard when you're a team that has, you know, yearly expectations to win everything, to go through the bumps and to the growing pains of having these young guys develop, you know. So you have to hit on super talented guys that by the time they're 18, they can walk in into the first team of a top European club and actually help. And, you know, those young guys, you know, as good of a scouting network that you can have, you're not going to find too many. So this is a problem that I think ails not only Juventus, but many of the big time European clubs. You know, you, you see in Barcelona where, you know, you have your Ansufatis and a couple of guys come along. But in recent years, you know, you're not seeing that many guys from La Masia come up. Right. So it's an, it's is Pedri a La Masia guy or did they buy him? I think that I think they did. Like, like I said, like there's a couple of guys, but there were a few years where they just had no one. Like, th there were just middle years when Messi was still around. Obviously, he's the biggest product of, of La Masia, but there were a lot of years when they were just buying reinforcements and they weren't really bringing young guys up because they had those expectations. So, I do think that Juventus needs to improve. I'm really happy about you know Minetti and Fagioli and all of those young guys having a chance to stick around in the first team, but you know. Juventus is never going to be able to, you know, just play with a bunch of young guys and see them develop and, and you know, watch those growing things happen because they are a club that has the expectations of winning at all costs every year. Does that mean that they just should buy names like Sam was saying? No, of course not. Like a young a youth program is key. And I think they've been developing it more in recent years. But, you know, we're never going to be an, an Ajax. We're never going to be a team that just bats on, on youth. They should do it more, but I don't think that we're ever going to be, you know, kind of like that. Yeah, you've got what I think is, and 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 my thesis is always, and this is something that a lot of people that I talk with this about get wrong about my idea with this. It's not like I'm thinking that, you know, every single player on the team should be out of the youth system. But the fact that there hasn't been anything, not even a couple of role players that have come out of the the, the sector, that's the problem. And I think if you you manage to just bring a couple of guys along, like uh, it looks like uh, Miretti and Fagioli are going to be now, and Rovella hopefully when he gets back from his loan, that's what you need. You need to have you know you need to have your sign your your, your guys from the transfer market who can who can keep you in, in winning positions year in and year out, and at the same time, break in guys from the youth sector. Like you look at, I, I, you look at Manchester city and you look at Phil Foden, you know, he is one of the better, their better players. Now he's one of the, the most important midfielders on the English national team. And he just kind of, and Pep Guardiola just kind of worked him in along with all the other, with all the other guys uh, that he had with all the other superstars that he has at Manchester city. And now he's one of them. That's what I that's what I want to see coming out of the youth sector or or from a you know a, a lower profile signing that has a really high ceiling. And that's something that Juve has been failing at. And that's what I think needs to change. All right. Well, Fabio Moretti incoming hat trick against Manchester United at some point, right? Glory be to God. <laughs> also, can we laugh for a minute at, at the at a certain person who was an unused substitute in that game? Yes. Go for it. <laughs> All right. Next question here from at Arthur Schmidt, the fourth, how many months of job security did this Bologna victory give Max Allegri with the management? 
not much more than he already has, right? I mean, like, I don't think there's really yeah. good deal. It's, you know, it's a good step. I think, you know, like Mike was saying at the top, like, this was something that they had to do, and especially I'm guessing the lady as a coach, and after, you know, pretty much every media and every player and every talking head was calling for his head during the winter break, you know, he got the backing from the, from the board, he got the backing from the, you know, from the people who make those decisions, he had to come out there and he had to, you know, get this result. And he did. So, so far, so good. But, you know, one win against Bologna doesn't erase everything that's already happened, doesn't erase the fact that you're very realistically at risk of missing out on, on knockout rounds in the Champions League. And I think that's going to be, if they do miss that, I think that's going to be the reason that, that he gets fired, if he gets fired. So this, this gains him nothing. Uh, but if we're sitting here in a couple of weeks' time and, he beat Milan and he beat Maccabi and suddenly we're, you know, suddenly Juventus looks like a new team. Then we can start having this discussion, but I don't think this, this really moved the needle at all. Yeah. The, the, this, this was a good day today, but the walls can still come tumbling down. And if they do between now and the world cup, I think that, that, that that's when the, the hammer would have to fall. So yeah, I, I I don't think that this this moved the needle much in that in that regard at all. I think you're totally right, Sergio. You guys are no fun. I expected sarcasm from both of you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, kind of going off the Bologna game again from Vincent Ferrar at Juventino underscore BNA. Was this was this game real life or was it a, it a case of quote the coach lit a fire under everybody's ass because he wants to keep his job, but everything will go back to normal next week. Hopefully not. Well, the game was definitely, uh, hopefully not on the second one. The game was definitely real life. I had a friend who was watching with me and, uh, and, and he also witnessed it and told me that it was real. Uh, so, you know, unless I am Bruce Willis in the sixth sense and I see dead people, <laughs> fun fact, when I was in the third grade, I auditioned for that film. Uh, <laughs> unless something weird is, uh, is happening. I think that, Yes, the game definitely was real. Uh, we will see whether or not it was a one-time thing or if it if it sticks a little longer. Yeah, that, that's pretty much the question, right? Like we have seen Juventus have decent matches, have decent moments. It really is that they haven't been able to sustain them. And and that was the problem last season. I think, you know, in, in the piece I wrote this week, you know, we talked about it. Like there were really good moments in that victory against Chelsea. That was great but really nothing came off it. So this was a great win. Very good, very good job. Very good, very good performance. Very good result. I guess the team that they had to win, probably there was a little bit, like like you said, like a fire under their ass from the coach, from the team. After spending, like I said, like two weeks just hearing how they sucked pretty much 24-7, it's good to see that they came out with that, you know, decision to really get this result. But Again, if we're sitting here, hopefully not in a bathroom in a bus, but still, if we're having, you know, this conversation next Sunday and we're talking about how they looked flat against Maccabi and how Milan blew us over, you know, we're still stuck in, you know, in the same place that we're right here. So hopefully this is a sign of better things to come. But Juventus hasn't shown so far that they can sustain good form. I hope that that changes. I hope this is the start of, you know, New Juventus, I, I think Allegri said in a quote during a press conference that, you know, this was a new season or something like that. Like, this was the beginning of their new season. Let's hope that is the case. Like, let's hope this is a new team, new mentality, new whatever they need to do. 
and they actually can't sustain when he's on Sunday. But, you know, so far they haven't showed that they can do that. So unless they show it to us, no real reason to think why this will be different. All right, last question here from at Misak the Great. Seeing how informed Milik and Vlavic are and how the 3-5-2 is getting the most out of Juventus's players, how would you adjust the team when Angel Di Maria joins back for the Maccabi Haifa game and beyond? Could it be as a right wing back or as an offensive mezzala, like how Fabio Moretti was trying to be and link up the play? Well, this wasn't a... Th- Three five two today. This was a four. Uh, this was a four four two. Yeah, um, very much so. So I I I think that when Di Maria returns, you are going to have to have a uh, a discussion about that. Maybe you do something like a like a Christmas tree, like a four two three one with Di Maria uh, behind with Di Maria and Milik behind Vlaovic, and then you can like throw Kostic or Quadrado in for changes of pace if necessary. That that could be an idea. I've always liked the 4-2-3-1 because the, that double, those two guys in the hole behind the striker can be a real interesting mix of characteristics to, to really kind of diversify the, uh, the abil- your ability to build up an attack. But I, I think that once... Di Maria returns. We're gonna probably and you know we'll have Di Maria for for Wednesday because he's not suspended in the Champions League, so we'll see him then. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a uh, a four three three to start the game with Milik coming on to to change things. All right. Well, Sergio had to cut out a little early, so that should do it for this week's episode. Thank you guys for your questions on Twitter and Instagram. So if you want to send them to us on either place, feel free to do so at Juventus Nation on Twitter at B-W-R-A-O underscore S-B-N on Instagram. Follow us there as well as on Facebook. Search black and white and red all over. Uh, If you want to do that same search tool on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, remember we are on the hunt for positive reviews because the more ratings and reviews we get, the more people take notice of what we're doing and obviously it's a reflection that we're doing a good job and you guys like it so let me rattle off the names here for sam for sergio for the newly wedded chucks and for producer couch this is danny saying thank you very much for listening and we'll talk to you guys next week